So hello, and welcome to another Physician Spotlight. Um, I'm very excited to be speaking today with Dr. Ezra Steiger here. Um, Dr. Steiger is a Professor Emeritus of Surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. He also serves as a consultant um, within the Digestive Disease and Surgery Institute, also at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. So Dr. Steiger, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Glad to be here. And it's very exciting to be doing one of these interviews in person um, because, you know, so many of these actually have been through Zoom if you guys have been watching this series. So really enjoyable to be here at Aspen. Yes, this is terrific. Finally, after two years, Absolutely. we're alive. Yeah. Um, and this year, actually, uh, you have the honor of being awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes, it was a, a huge award and very much appreciated and uh, accepted it on behalf of my team because of their efforts, that's why I won. Right, absolutely. And I think you're such an inspiration to so many people here in the nutrition space. And I'd love to dive a little deeper. You know, so many of the people that I meet, you know, are um, have been seeped in nutrition for such a long period of time. And I'd love to go back to the beginning and sort of hear how you thought nutrition was going to be a part of your career and, and that evolution over time. Well, it didn't really start until I was an intern hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. When I was an intern there, Dr. Rhodes was the uh, chief of surgery. Stan Dutchert was the chief resident in general surgery. And I was a, an intern. And the whole field was just beginning to blossom at the time of my internship. And that whetted my appetite to see how excited they were and how interesting it was to be able to take care of patients who couldn't eat for long periods of time. So that's how I got involved with it. I didn't realize at the time how much I would be involved with it, but it's turned out to be a wonderful career. And I'd love to hear more a little bit about, I know you worked um, in some of the laboratories there while you were at um, the University of Pennsylvania and, and really were one of the groundbreaking people in developing some of these nutritional interventions. Uh, I did work in the Harrison Department of Surgical Research during my uh, residency years. And as part of that, I did some of the uh, work related to testing crystalline amino acids in beagle puppies to show that it was safe. And that's when we switched from protein hydrolysate used to uh, crystalline amino acids. Also developed an intravenously fed rat model that allowed me to gain insight into the effects of intravenous feeding on liver morphology, liver function, tumor growth, and a host of other things. Right, and I obviously a lot of that has become the foundation of what we know about parenteral nutrition. Um, and I don't know if you have any fun memories from that time when you were working in the lab there that you wanted to share with the people today. I have a lot of fun memories, uh, not only at the time in the lab, but also my internship and residency. But the laboratory was particularly uh, nice because I didn't have to put in 24-hour uh, days. I was able to go home. And uh, I was able to work with Harry Barnes, who was one of the uh, legends in parenteral nutrition. Harry uh, actually started feeding dogs intravenously in the uh, late 1940s, 1950s. And that started his involvement with uh, parental nutrition. But he helped me set up an intravenous rat lab. He would not help you 
unless he saw that you were making a valiant effort and not succeeding. And then he would look over your shoulder and say, why don't you try this, why don't you try that? In any event, uh, we were successful eventually in setting up the IV rat lab. And as a resident, uh, I was uh, blessed with enough funding to hire a nurse who was in charge of the IV rat lab and a uh, data research person. So there were two people working with me in the rat lab. And we had 20 rats going simultaneously on different experiments. This was during my uh, residency years. So I felt pretty cool about that. I can imagine. And I can imagine you must be very busy being both a surgical resident and you know working within a lab. Yes. And uh, it was a uh, very, very good uh, years. So allowed me to write or co-write a number of papers before I finished my residency. And that was uh, rewarding too. Absolutely. Um, and what do you think surprised you the most about working in this lab? I'm not sure that I was surprised. I guess what surprised me was uh, how much of an effort it was to get the model working. It seemed simple enough at first, but there are always little things that made it more difficult having it right. One of the things that I clearly remember was when we first started it, these were with uh, bits and pieces of equipment that Dr. Mars had around. The uh, intravenously fed rats would develop uh, a hemorrhagic uh, diathesis. And uh, they would, uh, I couldn't figure out why, and they would die. And then we traced that down to a blood nose stainless steel needle used in the diffusion apparatus that leached copper and caused hemolysis. And that's what led to their uh, death until we replaced that with just a plastic blood nose needle. That's when the whole uh, project started working. So I guess what surprised me was how a little thing like that can interfere with uh, progress in scientific uh, achievements. Absolutely. And I mean, so much of lab research, I think, is sometimes finding something that you didn't expect and then um, trying to intervene on that change. Right. Well, once we uh, solve that problem, everything else seemed to go uh, pretty well. That's what I guess. Absolutely. Um, and I think you sort of touched upon the importance of mentorship, you know, while you were there in the lab. And of course, you've served as a mentor for so many people um, in the coming years after you left your, your training program. I'd love to hear more sort of about the importance of mentorship in your life and how you have transitioned into the mentor and, and what advice you have for people. Well, I was uh, mentored by all the uh, surgeons at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania when I went on their services. They all had something special to teach me and to help train me. But Dr. Rhodes was obviously a uh, overriding influence on all of us. And uh, he was a very important person in the lives of the uh, surgical residents. And there are so many Dr. Rhodes stories that uh, we retell and tell every time we uh, get together. But he was an important mentor, but perhaps more important was Stan Dutcher who uh, was the person who developed the field. And just watching how hard he worked and how well he got along with people and how much he appreciated everybody's contributions, I think, was 
an important part of my being an elementary idea. Just uh, walking around with him and seeing how he uh, interacted with everybody, the people who took care of the, uh, keeping the floors clean, the nurses, the dietitians, everybody who worked in the hospital. So everybody was an important person to him and I learned the importance of treating people nicely from him. Right, and I think you know that sort of speaks to the video that your team made about you yesterday that was so wonderful to hear and they sort of talk about that personal connection you make with patients and I mean what an important thing to, to pass on to people and you know I, I love to hear about I don't know if you have any interesting patient stories or something you'd love to share with the people that are listening today. Well, they all make fun of uh, me, or they all make fun of me whenever I would go into a patient's room. And if it was someone who was down and out, and often most of them are, uh, I would try to cheer them up. And, uh, I would cheer them up with doling out pieces of candy. That's one of the things as well as to the team. And also to make uh, cute little comments, like, you're doing pretty good for a 33-year-old guy when it was actually an 80-year-old person. Right. They would laugh and take a big charge of that. And then when there is somebody else in the room with the patient, uh, usually a spouse, I would ask them, uh, is that your girlfriend or is that your boyfriend? Or better yet, is that your daughter? And, <laughs> and they would uh, get a big kick out of that. So I think helping to make people happy was an important part of what I did on rounds. And, important part of what I did with the uh, colleagues that I worked with too. At the beginning of rounds, I handed them candy as well. One of the other attendees would hand them candy at the end of rounds if they did a good job. But I always knew they were going to do a good job, so I gave them the candy at the start of rounds. <laughs> um, so it's like positive, not even reinforcement, it was just uh, motivation. Motivation. <laughs> Um, and how, you've been at the Cleveland Clinic for, for a while now. Forever, yes. <laughs> and, um, I started August 25th, okay. 1975. So a few years now. A few years. A few yeah. years. Um, and obviously the team has probably changed from when you started in the 1970s to now. And What has that um, transition been like? Well, the team has grown. I mean, at first it was uh, just me and a nurse. We were the nutrition support team. We had some help from uh, dietitians, but they weren't part of the team. Help from pharmacists, but they weren't part of the team. And help from psychiatrists, because our patients were often depressed and had a lot of uh, different types of problems besides their illness. But as the years went by, we increased the numbers of uh, people involved in the team to the point now where there are over 30 full-time uh, members of the nutrition support team. Most of them are dietitians, but uh, a lot of nurses and uh, pharmacists who liaise uh, with the team. Mm -hmm. Right, and it sounds like you know we've heard so much at Aspen about those multidisciplinary models and the importance of patient care. Very important. Everyone brings their own area of expertise. They all teach me, I teach them, and everybody teaches each other. So we all learn from each other, and we all learn from our patients too. So it is multidisciplinary in the uh, disciplines, but the patient is one of those disciplines too. Right. Um, and, you know, 
the physician role too is something that we talk a lot about in these physician spotlight interviews because you know there is this conception that physicians, less physicians are being involved in sort of the nutrition space. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about that in any ways we can try to reinvigorate um, our doctors to be more involved. Yes, it is uh, of concern that there are less physicians involved, but the uh, field has been changing. Uh, when I first got involved, it was mostly surgeons who were involved. Then uh, gastroenterologists and uh, dietitians are taking up an increasing role, not only as uh, part of the team, but as running the team, running parts of the team too. And physician assistants or dietitians who became physician assistants are uh, increasingly being involved as uh, primary members of the team. So there may not be as many physicians in the future, but there will be other people taking over uh, their roles. But physicians will always be an important role. And uh, we still need to concentrate on making sure we get physicians as uh, leading members of the team. Absolutely, and definitely physician education efforts. And, and Aspen, of course, has been instrumental, I think, in those purposes. Aspen's very important industry has played a uh, important role too in sponsoring fellowships for physicians to get involved in uh, nutrition support. So combination of Aspen and uh, industry I think are beginning to show some results. And um, in terms of Aspen and its uh, involvement in your career development, I mean, where, how did you use the organization to move your career? I've been involved with Aspen from the uh, very beginnings in, in Chicago when we first uh, got together to start the organization. And it's been very important, again, as a means of uh, sharing information with my colleagues around the country and eventually around the world. And just taking leadership positions and uh, helping to move the organization as far as public policy uh, issues. I think has helped me and helped uh, other physicians and clinicians involved with the nutrition support area. And uh, I wound up uh, assuming leadership uh, positions in Aspen. And that has been helpful to uh, me in terms of what I can bring back to my institution, not only from Aspen, but also by being able to visit other Aspen chapters and other Aspen uh, groups around the world uh, as well as around the country. Right, so I guess that connection both domestically and internationally. Yeah, it's been very, very good in advancing my career and advancing my ability to help others advance their careers. Well, I think we're running out of time on this position spotlight. I'd love to hear if there's anything else you wanted to add for um, the listeners of this um, podcast and this interview. No, not really. Aspen's a great organization, and I've been a very proud member of it, a very proud supporter. The Aspen Roads Research Foundation is something that's dear to me because of the connection with Dr. Rhodes, and I think it's an important part of everybody's obligation in the field to support that, to advance the research efforts by supporting the Aspen Roads Research Foundation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You're welcome. Um, this is another Physician Spotlight interview, and we look forward to seeing you again next month.
Thank you.